St. Paul tells us in this second reading today something very interesting about unity and division. He says, it has been reported to me about you, my brothers and sisters, that there are rivalries among you. Some say, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas. Cephas is Paul, or rather Peter, or I belong to Christ. There are rivalries among you, divisions, he says. See, in the early church, St. Paul had to deal with all this stuff. He's now 10, 15 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, and he has converted now from this persuasion of killing Christians under the name of Saul to Paul. And now he's been baptized. And he's trying to pull this church together in Corinth, in Athens, in Galatia, in modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor, in Rome. Different philosophies, different perspectives, different opinions, different groups of people with their own particular interpretation of Jesus and all the events of his life, death, and resurrection. And now what to do with all that as we live out the gospel. So 2020, 2020 years ago, this was an amazing feat that Paul and a few others trying to pull the church together into unity out of such division, rivalries, competitions. One group would say, we have the truth. No, we have the truth. No this, no that. No, Jesus didn't say that. Yes, he did. So out of all this will come the governance of the authority of St. Peter, the Pope, arising from that incredible gift that Jesus gave to Peter, I call you. You are the rock. And on you, I build my church. And all the other voices, all the other opinions, you can listen to them, but in the end, I will give you, as my vicar on earth, that power in matters of morals and faith to proclaim the truth in my name. That's amazing. The authority of Peter. Because Peter and Paul were rivals over certain issues, circumcision being one of them. And there were other issues too. And that's natural. In every family, there's going to be some kind of competition. But in the end, someone has to bow to authority. Someone has to say, this is the way it is. This is the truth. This is how we're going to do it. Now, that was 2,000 years ago, but in a very real sense, we have our own rivalries among us today. We live in a whole time of rivalry, divisions, competitions. We're in an election year in our nation, and the competition is fierce. There's a lot of rivalry There's a lot of that, and that's fine. That's part of the American experiment, this republic that's built on free elections. And we know it across the board in every institution expressing the freedom of speech. Our opinions are important. Informed opinions are important. But in the end, we've got to be very careful because while we celebrate all of that rivalry, in a sense, the goodness of competition the variety of opinions, and the freedom of speech, and all of that. If we're not careful, if we don't balance this properly, then we attend to too many voices. We attend to all the voices, and then we could 
and often do get very confused. Very confused. We've got radio, we've got television, we've got incredible social media, all wonderful means of communication. But my God, the print media as well. I mean, if you start attending to all of that all the time, like a radio wave, you're going to get electrified. Imagine what all of that is doing to your body. A lot of science out there. The body is like an antenna. It's grounded. And you can attend to a lot of different radio waves. Okay? Just like your radio, just like your cell phone. You can attend to a lot of voices, a lot of energy. There's a lot going on all around you, all the time, all the time. And it's loud if you turn it up. And it gets louder and louder and louder. And what happens is you can only take so much. System overload, TMI, too much information, right? In the spiritual world, the same thing. Psychologically, emotionally, if we attend to all the voices all the time, if all that is constantly in our face, what happens is we get frustrated or confused or angry. And we don't know what is the truth. We don't know. We might listen to Paul or Apollos or Peter or Christ. That's the options they had then. They had four channels. Paul, Apollos, Cephas, Peter, or Christ. How many channels do you have? How many channels do you have? What portals are you entering into out there? Wow. So much, so fast, so loud. Now, the difference is that Jesus Christ is the voice. That's the channel we are tuning into today. And hopefully not just for an hour and six minutes, but every day. Because in 2020 years, this is the only voice known to humankind, who has never deceived anyone. Isn't that amazing? This voice of Jesus Christ has never lied, has never deceived you. I don't know. You could Google that maybe, find out if I'm right. That's a name you can count on for eternity. Not just for these four years, not just for this time, not for just this place, not for just now or then, but forever. That's amazing. And if Jesus were to run for office, public office, he would lose because he's not going to promise all the stuff we want in this life. But he does promise what the other candidates cannot give. And no other man or woman could ever give or make good on. And that is eternal life. Isn't that amazing? And among other things that they can't do. Absolution of sin. Forgiveness. Divine mercy. Divine compassion. Divine love. 
See, no one's ever done that for mankind that way. For everyone, for all time, for all religions, for all philosophies, for all politicians, for all citizens, Jew or Gentile, young or old, rich or poor, white or black, Latino, it makes no difference. That's why this is so important to tune out on occasion or to put into perspective those radio stations of our lives and all that information and all that stuff and all that excitement. My God, our senses are just overloaded constantly. No wonder we're tired. A lot of people are tired right now. They just got up an hour ago, but they're tired. I got up four hours ago. I'm exhausted. I mean, I can only do four masses a weekend. That's all I do. Now you want a fifth math as a sixth math? You're going to kill me. Because I can't do that all. And I can't listen to all that. And I shouldn't listen to all that stuff. You buy into that, it'll consume you. And you know it. We all know that. Too much, too much, too much. Back off. Would you just turn that off, please? There's so much noise. I can't tell you how many people come to church and say, thank you for some quiet time. Thank you so I can chill out for a moment. So my children can just calm down for one hour, once a week. Oh, this is a privilege. But not just to rest for ourselves, but to attend to a new station, a new channel. It's called Jesus Christ. And it's free of charge, by the way. And it's universal. In every conscience in the world, somewhere, somehow, Jesus Christ, the God-man, the king of this universe, is trying to get the message out to all of us. And the message is simple. Follow me. And so we have the gospel. Here's Peter, James, and John, and Andrew. They're fishermen. Not the most educated men in the world. Not the most sophisticated at all. They're fishermen. That's a poor man's job in, in their day. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, and calls them by name. He didn't just say, hey, you. Peter, James, John, Andrew, follow me. Now think about this. They get out of their boats and they leave Zebedee, their father, behind. That is so rude. That seems so wrong. Dishonoring mother and father, that's a violation of the commandment. No. They got up. And what does Matthew say in the gospel? They immediately left their boats. They didn't pause. They didn't take time out to say, hmm, now, before I do this, Jesus, What's the salary? What are the benefits? 
What's the retirement plan like? What am I getting out of this? And by the way, what are we eating for lunch? Where are we staying tonight? No. Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't answer that. None of those questions are asked. That's interesting. You and I might say, well, let me think about this. I'll get back to you. Take it under due consideration, Jesus. Send me a memo. Send me the policy and procedures. Let me talk about this with my family. I'll get back to you later. No. They got up and they followed him. This is amazing. There's very little dialogue here. In fact, in all the Gospels, whenever Jesus calls people, there's no dialogue. They just do it. They just do it. And they do it now. The voices of our culture would like to say, wait a minute, no, 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 this is just another opinion. Jesus is just another opinion, another political party, perhaps, or another philosophy, just another one on the smorgasbord of human truths or human wisdom, human opinion. That's not the case. No, there's something very different going on here. These men got up and left everything. They attended to him. They listened to him. And they didn't just follow him that day. They followed him for the next three years, leaving everything behind. Their wives, in some cases, their children, their fathers, their family, their professions. And followed him. And then gave their lives for him. This is crazy. This is, maybe, says the world, another cult. He brainwashed them. No, he didn't. That didn't take place here. Or maybe they just wanted out of their job as fishermen and they said, I'm out of here. No, that was not the custom. These are Orthodox Jews. Uh uh. Now, you can try to explain away the gospel by standards of the world. It doesn't work. Sociologists are fascinated by the Catholic Church. They're fascinated by Catholic Christianity. How in 2020 years this institution remains. Given the odds against these men and women of their day, they had no money. They didn't have a cell phone. They had very very poor standards of life by our standards. They had no education. They had no opportunity. They were a low-class people by our standards. And this institution survives with persecutions besides by Jews and Romans. The first hundred years, okay, let's give it the benefit of the doubt, but institutions like that usually die out after a year or two. A hundred years or two. I mean, the odds against Christianity from the very beginning, like the life of Jesus, were at risk. He should never have survived that birth at Christmas. He should never have survived Herod's treachery to kill every newborn baby. He should never have survived by the standards even of his day. 
And the world would simply look at that as a tragedy. Another assassin prophet. A good guy who got caught up. No, you can't explain it away that way. There's something else going on here. There's something unique about this. Very different from any other philosophy or institution or cult, the way the world looks at it. He called them by name, and they followed him. That's what happened to me. He called me by name 30 years ago. Actually, he called me by name when I was 13. And I remember, and many of you know that story. And I followed him. I didn't always want to follow him, but I did. And I've sinned a lot. And I've kept following him. In my pride, I could have said, this is ridiculous. And if I had known that I was only making $27,000 a year a priest, I would never have been ordained. <laughs> Thank God they don't tell you that before you're ordained. No. You don't ask those questions. You fall in love. You fall in love with Jesus, who calls you by name too. See, the voices of the culture, as I was saying earlier, these channels, these sources of information, they don't know your name. If they do, they may want to use that information to share it with others, your email, your vital information, but they don't really care about you. They're using you. You're another economic entity. They don't care about you. They're not designed to care about you. Don't think they care about you. They don't. But Jesus does, and that's the difference. It's a personal encounter with the God-man. No longer through the forces of nature or prophets or spirits or ghosts. This is incarnate word. And he calls out to you by name. And he cares about you. In fact, he always has from all eternity. He always knew you by name. He knows you now by name. And we know him by name. His name is Jesus. It's very powerful, the power of naming. See, in the Old Testament, that commandment, thou shalt not call upon the name of the Lord in vain, means that somehow you're never to think you're on a par with God that you can control him by saying, hey, God, hey, hey, you, attend to me. That, that's what that commandment meant. You can't control God by calling him by name. Hey, hey, hey. He doesn't work that way. No. But in the New Testament, Jesus allows it and says, you can call me by name. My name is Jesus. You're never on a par with me. But now I've shared my power with you. I can call you by name, and out of respect, as a friend, you can call me by name. My name is Jesus. And you know what? I will respond every time you call my name. Because I care about you. I have fallen in love with you. I want you to follow me. Because when you follow me, I will never deceive you. I will never lie to you. Everything I say is truth. In fact, I cannot lie. That's one thing that God cannot do. We always say God can do anything. No, no, no. There's a lot of things God cannot do. If he's truly God. 
He cannot lie. He cannot go back on his word. He cannot deceive. He cannot abuse you in any way or use you for some other purpose than to free you to know, love, and serve him in this life and most perfectly in the next. Let's attend to that voice this day, once again, in this new year, and kind of tune down all the other stations that can often get in the way and confuse us, and listen to the voice of our conscience, listen to the teachings of the church, which we don't always have to agree with, that doesn't matter, like any family, but there is an authority that says this is true or not. Listen to the charity around you. Watch people. Be inspired by the saints. Those are the voices to attend to. The good things, the truthful things that come from 2,020 years of Catholic Christianity. Take the best. Attune to that. That's why we're alive. That's why we are flourishing. Despite all the other voices, our numbers are growing, as they were then, and always against great odds, even within the life of the church. So, who are you going to vote for this year? doesn't matter, really, in the end. Because Jesus has your vote. In fact, he's voted for you. He's elected you. He's called you to be his own. I know who I am when I know whose I am. I don't belong to the world. I belong to him, so do you.